United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Scott Worden is Director of Afghanistan and Central Asia Programs at the U.S. Institute of Peace, here to get a little update on the situation in Afghanistan. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Man, it looks bad there. I mean, they're, they're running out of food. They don't have any money. The Taliban's cracking down on music. It's bad. That's a, it's a good summary. It is bad. And, and unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse as the winter comes, uh, particularly on the food front. And I'm afraid there's, there's not much hope on the horizon on the economic front either. Let's talk about day-to-day life in Afghanistan because basic services basically stopped, uh, including health care, education, and banking. It's just, it's not a normal day. No, I think people are really in survival mode, um, you know, particularly in the cities. And, and Afghanistan, uh, over the last 20 years, has had a lot of its population move to the cities. The Taliban were an ideological insurgent rebel movement and not a political party and not a bunch of technocrats that can govern. And their victory was really unexpected, not just to the U.S., but also to the Taliban. And so they didn't have plans in place. They, their approach was, let's take over and then figure it out. And right now we're in the figuring it out mode. But unfortunately, they don't have any tools to uh, get the economy going, to provide education. So it's a difficult situation. Well, and when people are facing starvation, education starts to seem like a luxury item. Well, it's not a luxury item, obviously, for national development, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, the demand for education is, is high. I mean, the, the other thing about the Taliban takeover is that uh, the population never really supported the Taliban in any great numbers. Uh, they had concerns about corruption. They some didn't like foreign occupation. But overall, the Taliban's approval rating was always in the single digits. People want education. People want girls in schools. And so the Taliban, you know, they're imposing their will by force, but people do want to go to school and they want to have uh, all of the elements of a modern state. Um, So the Taliban, uh, as as you say, easy to take over a country, you know, relatively, but governing is hard. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the next steps that that they need to focus on to, to solve this are, You know, well, how are they going to respond to this pressure, both international pressure to govern in a different way, but also domestic pressure? Uh, There have been protests, particularly by women that don't want to be staying at home. Um, People are certainly going to protest when the the hunger situation gets worse. Um, The Taliban have a very exclusive government. They have essentially only men. They only have men, and they also have mostly Pashtun uh, ethnic representation, when the country is multi-ethnic. So, you know, will they respond to this pressure by adapting, by softening their policies, by being more inclusive, or will they have a crackdown? Uh, If it's the latter, I think the situation will get even worse. How is the rest of the world um, looking at this? Uh, Humanitarian assistance, but not recognizing the Taliban? Is that kind of how it's shaping up? Yeah, that's certainly the the approach the U.S. is taking, other NATO partners, essentially the Western donors. Um, You know, there's a a really big math problem here. 
the U.S. and the West provided about $7 billion in aid. Uh, a lot of that went through the government. It paid for education, it paid for health care and other services. That's all gone because of uh, the Taliban's, uh, the sanctions against the Taliban, and also the fact that their foreign reserves are frozen because they have terrorists, recognized terrorists in the government. Um, the region, so that includes Russia, China, their neighbors, uh, Pakistan, you know, they support the Taliban more politically, but not financially. Uh, overall, only about $2 billion from the whole world has been pledged in humanitarian assistance. And that leaves about a $5 billion gap. Oof. And the neighbors are not going to support that. And of course, you know, we've even seen... I don't know if originating from Afghanistan, but some ISIS and Al Qaeda threats toward northern Virginia suburbs, allegedly um, uh, keyed around Election Day tomorrow. Uh, what law enforcement considered to be like credible or serious enough to take seriously threats um, and, and the, the, the effects of destabilizing the country are are significant. Yeah, I think this is where it, it comes back to the U.S. national security objectives. Uh, we concluded that the terrorist threat from Afghanistan was significantly diminished. Obviously, bin Laden was killed. Uh, the al-Qaeda presence was a lot, uh, was vastly reduced. Uh, the problem is that the Taliban takeover, while they've pledged to keep terrorists out and not allow them to fund, uh, to gain money or to train there, um, how can the Taliban enforce that if the country is collapsing, mm -hmm. either economically or politically? So I think what you have here is a, a need to have stable, uh, a stable country, even though we've withdrawn our troops, because if not, then the safe havens will return. Um, whether there are threats directly from Afghanistan now on the U.S., I, I doubt. But certainly in six months' time to a year, if the situation doesn't improve, then you can see, uh, if not training camps, certainly more terrorists operating in Afghanistan. Scott Worden is director of Afghanistan and Central Asia programs at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Scott, thank you for this update. Great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.